Because your thoughts towards us are thoughts of good. To bring us to an end that you have expected and planned and purposed. For Lord, you are not a man that you should lie. Neither are you the son of man that you change your mind. Thank you, Lord, because you are an awesome God. We appreciate you this morning. We thank you, Father, for our gathering this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's be seated for a few minutes. Our God is an awesome God. You know, the choir were leading us in a time of worship this morning and said, If God is for us, I, I, I don't know about you, but if Jehovah is for you, that song says, What, who can stand against you? You know, the, there's a confidence that comes in knowing who we are in Christ Jesus. And that confidence and that assurance comes because we know that 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 we know who we are in Christ Jesus. You know, for, let, let, let me use an example, a quick example. I, I, I was thinking and pondering about it this, was it this morning or last night? I can't remember, but somewhere in between, over the last 24 hours and I was thinking, for a child that is still learning how to add, when you wake that or you get that child up and you say one plus one, they will still scratch their head because they don't know it yet. But when you know it, if someone gets you up from sleep and says one plus one, you would say two. I hope. And if you're the smart one, you would say, well, it depends on which base. One plus one may not be two, depending on the mathematical formula. Let's not go into that now. You do know that you can ask if... It's an intelligent question. Say one plus one. Say, well, under which base? Because it depends on how you correlate it. Is that... Am I... Some people are looking at me kind of like puzzled. Okay, it's mathematical. Let's not go too far into that this morning. But by and large, you would know the answer because over the years you have been taught and it has become a part of you. Similarly, as Christians, the confidence we ought to have in God relates to our, is, is dependent on how familiar we are with God. Apostle last week was teaching us and how many people can, how many of us can remember the key things Apostle taught us about last week? Revision time. It's okay to open the notes. It's allowed. I always say there's something that never forgets. It's a piece of paper that you've written up on. It never forgets. So Apostle was teaching us, said, from the, the core was the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 1. And it says, In the former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day he was taken up from heaven. He said, and the apostle reminded us last week, Jesus did before he taught. And the key to effective leadership is to do and then teach. Because people would follow, those who you lead, follow your lead. So if, uh, if, a, if, a, if a parent 
wants to do certain things right. I mean, and I have to remind myself from time to time, there are some things, there are some habits you pick up that you, you know is wrong. Those who are driving instructors know this very well. A number of us cannot teach others, not simply because we can't drive, but because we've picked up so many bad habits in the driving because it's become routine. You know, in those days when you were learning to drive, we were holding and grabbing. I used to think when I started to learn to drive that the car drove itself. How many people felt like that? Okay, confession. Just used to feel like I thought the car had a mind of its own. It didn't, it took me a while to understand that there was a combination of my steering and my accelerating that makes a difference to how fast the car goes or indeed what direction it goes. And over the years, you get so confident with this when you start to drive that you start to then, I mean, in those days, you don't do anything other than if anyone's, in fact, you don't get yourself distracted. But these day and age, you can listen to music, you can hold a conversation, and in the process, you pick up some bad habits. Now, where am I going to with this? We have to always ensure that we drop off those bad habits. Otherwise, you can't teach others. And an instructor does not need to maintain a, a way of driving. When an instructor is driving, you know it's different. Because they discipline themselves to maintain the right habits all the time. Now, so as Christians, we need to develop the right habits and maintain it. So the Bible says that Jesus began to do and, began, and then taught. And the key to effective leadership is for us to do and then teach. People learn more by what they see us do, especially children. Learn more from what they see us do than what we say. And there needs to be a correlation between the speech and the action. Without a correlation between speech and action, we say it's non-congruent. Does that? Am I creating some... And if you're not congruent, you're not aligned. If you're not aligned to the purpose, then you are divergent. Okay, I'm doing some... People are looking at me kind of like puzzled now. I can see a lot of faces looking at me kind of blank. What's he doing? Does he want us to keep opening dictionaries this morning? It's okay. And he started using terminologies like congruent and divergent. And that's what happens when you spend too much time in school. Praise the Lord. I've started to learn that there's something called the academic way of doing things. I've been a practitioner most of my life, but now I'm doing an academic study. And I've been doing academics, but this time I'm doing academics in, I mean, for those who don't know, I'm, I'm doing a doctoral program. And all of a sudden I, I've discovered now there's a different way academics talk. And I've been told that in order to join the club, I need to speak like the academic. See, a practitioner wants to know how it is done. And we're not interested in it being written. But I've now discovered that actually there's a joy in an academic in writing. Whether or not it's implemented, the joy the academic derives is that it is written. For me, a practitioner is very puzzling. What's the point if it's sitting on the shelf? It needs to be acted upon. But different schools of thought. So I'm... I'm learning that now because if you want to join a club, you have to abide by the rules. 
In fact, I was told that last week categorically. This club, in order to join it, you need to abide by the rules. So, I, I mean, there are some rules. So the question for me and for you and I this morning is, what are the rules that we need to abide by to be successful in our walk, in our Christian walk? There are rules for us to abide by. There are certain rules and regulations that we need to abide by. If we do not abide by those rules, we would not qualify. I know the Bible says, by grace we have been saved. So someone says, is there legalistic, is it coming up with some legalistic um, rules and regulations? Well, there are actually, there are rules to follow. And some of those rules that are there for us to follow are designed to ensure that we remain successful. Apostle said to us last week, the relationship we have, we have with Christ is what would determine whether or not we receive from God all that we have, all that God has ordained for us. The confidence that you have in knowing, when we were singing that song, our conf- when we were singing the song earlier on, if God is for us, who can stand against us? It's relative to your experience in God. If you do not have the experience, you would find it more challenging. I mean, I can imagine that the minute Peter walked on water, he had the experience of walking on water, he would have, his life would have been transformed. There was, something, there was something about the experience of walking on water that means... His life will be transformed. Uh, let's paint another picture. They had been fishing before they were called as apostles or disciples. They had been fishing all night. And they caught nothing. And the minute they encountered Jesus, after they had let the, Jesus use their ship and he had ministered unto them, he said, cast your net. And the first thing they says, we have been toiling all night. And there was nothing. But at thy word... So they said, we don't know about you, Jesus. We're meeting you for the first time. We we have allowed you to... We we know you're a carpenter. You're a carpenter's son. And you have said some remarkable things using uh, my boat. I'm a fisherman. I've been toiling all night. And there was nothing. We caught nothing. But you've just said for us to cast our net. says, we've toiled all night, but at thy word. And they did. And the Bible says that their nets burst to overflowing and they had to actually call others. Now, can you understand then or therefore as a result of consequently? What language is that? What was that in house? What did it say? Oh, okay. All right. That's English. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> At thy word, they then had an experience. You can now understand why Peter and the others left their fishing to fish men. Because they had an encounter. They had an encounter. They suddenly had a different encounter. And that remained with them. 
it made a difference. Does it suggest that there will not be times of temptation, there will not be times of trials? If there wasn't going to be, it wouldn't have been written in Scripture that Peter denied Jesus. Because there will always be opportunities. But as long as we hold on to the experience that we have in God, we have confidence. Because it was the same Peter that in the book of Acts said, Silver and gold have I known, but that which we have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Again, he had a different experience after the transformation, after the resurrection of Christ Jesus. After they had received the Holy Spirit, they had a new encounter. And that encounter that they had transformed their lives. So the confidence that we have in what God can do or will do is dependent on the relationship that we have with him. An apostle was saying that to us last week. He says, I, I remember writing down our confidence in the Lord, the, the source of our salvation. Rest is found in him alone, the author of creation. We would not fear the evil day because we have a refuge in every circumstance we sing. And hope is built on Jesus. In whom do we have our confidence? That's a song, by the way. It's not scripture. For those who don't know, I saw some people humming it straight away. But it's a song. And I'm not going to try to sing it until the choir invites me to join their choir practice. Jesus did. Then he taught. He did, then he taught. There are some actions. So he taught after he had done and he became and he was an effective leader because those experiences then transformed the lives of those around. An apostle said to us last week that there are a few things we need to work hard. Hebrews chapter 6 verse, check the notes, verse 12. And what does Hebrews 6:12 say? We do not want you to become lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit and patience inherit what has been promised. So there's hard work here. To be to experience God, to experience or to have a new experience in God, to be successful. You know what I said about the rules of engagement. I call this a rules of engagement. For us to be successful in our walk with God. For us to be successful as Christians. For us to be able to get to that point where we say, Our confidence is in the Lord, the source of my salvation. Rest is found in Him alone. For me to be able to go out and say that I, uh, um, who can stand against us? For you to be able to go out there and say, Nothing can stand against you. You need to have an experience in God. And that experience comes with our relationship. And that relationship comes with us sowing time. We do not want you to be lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Of course, something's hidden in there as well. There's one thing about faith. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35, Cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you will obtain the promise. So there is a time of patience. Do not throw away your confidence. Sorry, I quoted from King James because that's how I knew it. You know? 
says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Cast not out. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> Praise the Lord. It says, do not throw away your confidence, for it will be richly rewarded. Cast not away your confidence. Therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Verse 36. For you, you need to persevere. Perseverance. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what has been promised. There's confidence in knowing that when we do the will of God, we will receive what has been promised. I don't know what it is that you're going through. But you're going through it. You're going through it. I don't know what you're going through, but you are going through And there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I've got news for you. It's not the light of the oncoming train. Because the Bible says, as certain as day follows night, so are the promises of God concerning you. But there is a, we, we need to understand that God is Put it this way, I'll say he's on us, he's on your side. Amen. We have a role to play. And the role we have to play is to stay strong in the things that God has ordained for us. So how did the early church do this? What things did they do to bring them to a place where they could where, where they could have so much confidence? You know, I always ponder from time to time if this is in the book of Acts. We know they were persecuted. For those who are good history students, you would know that not just the things that were written in here, in the in scriptures, history tells us that the early church, some of them were fed to lions. There were real persecution. Before what we call the church, before the church or be, before Christianity became a state religion, and then, you know, there was all the mingling. That there was a bit of, if we go into history, church history. Christians were persecuted. There are some parts of the world today that Christians are persecuted. I mean, someone, we used to associate China with that for a long time. I've got news for you. The big, largest growing churches are in China now. You know, one of the things that I... I discovered that the Chinese have started to do, in my view, this is my own analysis of it, someone must have read the book of Acts in China, in the government. You know why I say that? You know, the Bible says that in the early church, when they began, after the, after the man was healed, blind, uh, no, not blind, but the lame man at the, at the temple, they said, we cannot deny that a notable miracle has happened. So all we need to do is just to try and tell them not to preach Christ. Let, let them be. Do not try and oppose them. Because they discovered that the more they opposed Christianity, the more it grew. So the latest, actually, in China today, they're actually recognizing the church. 
it's not said. Lots of people are not saying it. They're, I'm not suggesting that there isn't still the underground, but there are some. They're actually giving room for church services because they want to ensure that there are a number of churches that become what you might call the religious order because they become, they're sponsored by the government. So, because, uh, and they say, so they're putting up that we no longer oppose Christianity. It's a two-headed sword. We could either as a church become complacent in the process because if there's no opposition, the tendency is that we kind of like get so comfortable as we have in the United Kingdom. I always say that that's the reason why so much has happened around us and we find people in the church or who are meant to be. I was listening on the radio this morning coming in. There are some bishops, retired bishops who are opposing certain things and they were saying the church is not I mean let's not go there this morning but what I'm effectively effectively we have become so we adapt we say Christianity needs to change and adapt to the times to the seasons what was it that the early church did they devoted themselves to what to apostles teachings they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. If we want to be successful in our walk, if we want to become confident in who we are in Christ, we want to experience God over and over and over again, we need to be devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. It's how many, how many instructions are there? Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, number one. To fellowship, number two. To the breaking of bread, number three. And to prayer, number four. And as we do these things, we begin to enter into the promises that God has ordained for us. Someone would ask me, how do I devote myself to the apostles' teaching? The Bible says, this book of the law shall not depart from your, but you will meditate on it day and night. And then be careful to do all that is written therein. And then you will make your way and you would have great success. You will be prosperous and successful if we stick to the word of the Lord. And we do it. So, the church early church, the apostles, the early church in the Acts of Apostles, they began to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. And that was linked to the fact that they had become saved. The preceding verses to this was the Holy Spirit. And after that, Peter began to minister. And they said, what shall we do? He said, be baptized. And those who were saved... The Bible says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer. So devotion is a very, very strong key. And in order for us to be devoted, the thing that struck me here is the word devotion itself. It's a selfless affection, the dictionary says, and dedication It's an act of religious observance or prayer, especially when private. It says often used in the plural. 
the state of being devoted. Selfless affection. Dedication. Are you and I dedicated to the teachings that we receive from this pulpit? Are we dedicated to the teaching of our apostle? Are we dedicated to fellowship? Are we devoted to it? Or do we turn up when we want to? Because there's something about the bond of fellowship. There's something about the bond of fellowship. On, on, uh, on Friday we spent some time here praying. And it was, uh, I, I suggested that those, I could save a lot of people the membership fees for gyms. You know why. I, I mean, we, we spent some time praying. And we were, I, I, I think there was, when we started around about 10 o'clock, it was only at about 12.30 that it dawned on me that none of the pastors had even asked anyone to sit down. At 12.30 a.m. So for about two and a half hours, People were standing and they were walking and they were praying and I thought to myself, well, anyone that weighed themselves before they came to church then by the time we finished praying, they must have lost a few kilos. If they didn't, then maybe they had not prayed enough. So you see how you can save yourself some gym fees just simply by turning up for prayer on Fridays. Praise the Lord. It was good exercise. But it's not just a physical bit. It was a refreshing that comes by spending time in God's presence and in fellowship with others. I don't know about you, but Fridays are always one of those days I look forward to. You know why? The Bible says that they went to their own company. Throughout the week, we, we are allowed to be battered. We are battered to and fro. The cares of this world. The jumping from one tube to the other. I don't know about you, but I've discovered that the tubes are getting more and more crowded. In fact, um, there are times that you, you squeeze yourself into the tube and you start one, and then you wonder why the NHS is in crisis. Yes, because during the winter we're breathing into each other and we're spreading germs. We have no choice. And the person standing next to you might sneeze. You are not, if you don't, if, well, you are not going anywhere if you don't, because, I, so we wonder why as a result of that there is increase and the, all these things add up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All these things add up. Someone would say it's because we have reduced the funding. That's one aspect. But it's all part of it. But we have to pay for this somehow. And for those who decide they want to be political about it, there's only one source that the government gets its revenue from. It's called taxes. So for as many of us as want them to increase the spending, we need to be prepared to increase what we give out of our paycheck. There's no miracle about it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with increasing spend. But we need to be mindful that you and I are the ones that pay the taxes. It's not coming from... So every time you make the call... So actually, the best way is for us to stay out of the hospitals to reduce the pressure. And the way we can do that is by staying healthy. 
we have a responsibility. And, I, and I, how did we get here? We got here by the fact that I said there are times you get bamboozled throughout the week. So on Friday, we return to our own company. Because all of a sudden, all the pressures, all the challenges, you come and release it and you pour it out. So if you have not joined up and signed up to coming in every Friday for prayers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Fellowship is about coming together to pray. And to the breaking of bread, we know that in every home, we should be breaking bread on a weekly basis. And it was in those days that they, we all thought there was only the priests that were allowed to break bread. And it was only done after you had been confirmed and um, you know where I'm going to. But we, we, we now know more. We now know better. Now that we're not told that the, that, that the early church, that they had uh, the, the priest, the pastor going from house to house breaking the bread. He would have been... He would have spent the whole day. So they were breaking bread amongst themselves. And then they were praying, spending time in prayer. And as we do these things, I'll use the word religiously, committedly, devotedly. As we devote ourselves, devotedly. Is that what they call tautology? Uh, okay. I'm learning, I'm learning the academic speak. It's about playing with words. You know, it sounds very much like what David said to Solomon in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 28. He says, And to you, my son, Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. If you seek God, he is not a man that he should lie. Says wholehearted devotion. When we serve God with wholehearted devotion, that's what the church, the apostles were doing. The early church was serving God with wholehearted devotion. That's why they spent time in fellowship. They spent time in breaking of bread. They spent time in prayer. And that's why they could impact the world around them. If you want to impact the world around you, you need to spend time in the apostles' teaching. In fellowship, in prayer, and in breaking of bread. Because actually, you know, one of, the, one of the key things is this. If as a Christian, we've spent time in the word of God in the morning, and we're conscious of what God's word says, in the book of Timothy, I think Apostle was sharing with us last week, First Timothy, I think 2, 8, am I, um, or 6? First Timothy 4, 12. 1 Timothy 4.12 First, If you look at 1 Timothy 4.12 quickly before we go back here. Do not let anyone look at... Look, well, go on. Verse 13. Devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Verse 14. Do not let the gift. 15. 
Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them that everyone may see your progress. 16. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do it, you will save both yourself and your hearers. That's not what I'm looking for. Actually, I'm talking about emulating Jesus in speech and in life. But effectively, somewhere I'll, I'll find... Sorry? No. 4.12. 1 Timothy 4.12. Yeah, do not let anyone set, look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in, yeah, that's it, in speech, in life, in love, in faith, in purity. Now, why is this relevant? Because if we are wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord, we spend time in the Word of God, we will check ourselves on a daily basis. And when someone steps on your foot as they are trying to rush onto the tube, as they sometimes do, or push you out of the way, you would smile rather than frown. Okay, I'm dialing numbers now. You will step aside rather than frown because you want to be a testimony. You do not want anyone to harm your testimony. Because it becomes a check for us. On Friday, I, I, I said briefly that a number, of, a number of us are unable to witness to our neighbors because we have fights over things that are not worth, worth fighting about. Just the position of the bin. It is yours, it is mine. No, it is this place, it is that place. Oh, you should have packed your car, your, your wheels crossed over my line. That's my demarcation. That's my own allocation. And you've had fights over nothing. And it has harmed your testimony. As a result, you're unable to say to this individual, come with me to church. It might be that colleague of yours that tried to set you up at work and you have reacted And the way you've reacted, it has now harmed your own testimony. The Bible says we need to ensure that we set an example for all believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. And the way we do that is by spending time in the teaching. Spending time wholeheartedly, devoted to the Lord. And that's why the Bible says in First Corinthians, First Chronicles 28, now that we read, we need to acknowledge the God of our Father. We need to serve Him with wholehearted devotion and a willing mind. For God searches every heart and understands every desire, every thought. Because if we seek Him, He will be found. We will be found by Him. But if we forsake Him, He will reject us forever. In order to prepare ourselves in these last days, it is very important as Christians that we seek God wholeheartedly. On a daily basis, seek God wholeheartedly. In this season of God's power, the Bible says, and we shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon us and we will be witnesses. This month is the month of God's power. And when we have received the power, we need to transform the lives of those around us. And for us to transform the lives of those around us, we need to seek God wholeheartedly. We need to spend time in fellowship. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to spend time in the Word. Because as we do these things, our confidence in God arises. And as we go out confidently, we know that whatever we ask of God, He will do.
So if we're struggling, the solution is to seek God. Because he would open up new avenues. Because there's certainly light at the end of the tunnel. Because the dawn will come shortly. And that dawn will bring victory. Night time creates all sorts of challenges. So some of us might be going through our night time. It might be health. It might be resources. But as you seek God wholeheartedly, you would obtain the promise. Let's rise up this morning and thank God for the opportunity that we have to seek Him. Let's thank God for His Word this morning. Let's thank God for our lives. Let's thank God for the fullness of that which He has in store for us. Let's recommit ourselves to the things of God and ask that the Lord will strengthen us in our walk with Him. The songwriter says, When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still and with those who we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Let's ask this morning that the Lord will strengthen us. That the Lord would uphold us. As we seek Him wholeheartedly. As we seek Him wholeheartedly this morning. That our confidence in the Father will be increased as we seek God. Let's ask that the Lord will strengthen us as we build up a relationship with Him. Let's ask that the Lord will strengthen us as we build a relationship with Him. We want to seek God with wholehearted devotion. Let's ask that the Lord will strengthen us. The sort of things that you do that easily causes a distraction. Ask that the Lord will remove all such distractions. The Lord will empower and grace you to keep your eye on Jesus. The author and the finisher of your faith. Ask that the Lord will strengthen and uphold you. We recognize that relationship is the key. The word of God says, call on him and he would answer. He will show us great and wondrous things. Call on the Lord this morning and ask, that you, ask him for a heart of devotion, ability to seek him. Father, we give you praise and we thank you. Our Father and our God, we thank you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us 
from your word, Father, of the need for us to spend time with you in your presence, to seek you wholeheartedly, to to be devoted, Father God, to the teachings, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Lord, we ask that the things that easily distract us would lose their grip of our, our lives in the name of Jesus. That our eyes would be focused on Jesus at all times. Father, some in our midst have been distracted by ill health. And we declare this morning... That by the stripes of Jesus, they are made whole. In the name of Jesus. Every sickness, every pain. We stand in agreement with all those that are sick. Whatever the sickness or the ailment is. Sicknesses of the blood, sicknesses of organs, diseases. Whatever they are named. Leukemia. Any form of cancer. Problems with the kidney. Problems with the liver. Problems with the limbs. Problems with the mind. We declare this morning that by the stripes of Jesus you are made whole. We declare healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, you have said in your word that if anyone is sick... She call on the elders and will pray. And the prayer that we offer in the name of Jesus will make them whole and their sins will be forgiven. Any sickness that has come by reason of, of, of sin, we ask, Father, for forgiveness of such in the name of Jesus. Lord, we learnt again on Friday that there are some ailments and circumstances, situations that are there that your work might be glorified. So Lord, we declare that every form of sickness and pain that is there that you might be glorified as a result of the testimony, we speak forth healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, I come against every form of confusion of the mind. Because in you we have clarity. And in you we have victory. Commit into your hands, Lord, all those who are seeking employment, gainful employment. Lord, you have said you surround us with your favor as a shield. So I ask, Lord God, that you surround us with your favor in the course of this week in the name of Jesus. Those that have interviews this week, Father God, you will go ahead of them. Lord, that your angels would teach them, would show them, and guide them, and go ahead of them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. That in this month of power, everyone would have a testimony. Lord, we lift up those who are looking unto you for the fruits of the womb. Father, we thank you because you make all things beautiful in your time. 
we recognize, Father God, that we need, of pa- we need patience. But you have reminded us today, Lord, that we should not cast away our confidence. For we have great recompense of reward. For after we have done your will, we will obtain the promise. I ask, Lord God Almighty, that the spirit of perseverance, the spirit of patience, that brings forth victory, encompass all those that are waiting on you in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. For those who are waiting on you for their life partners, Lord. They desire a honorable marriage. So, Father, we commit them into your hands. None will fall prey to wolves in sheep clothing. In the name of Jesus. None will fall prey to wolves in sheep clothing. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We praise and exalt your name. We thank you, Lord, this morning for Apostle and for Reverend Omar. Thank you, Lord, for the whole group and the delegation that went off to Ireland. Thank you, Lord God, for that which you have been doing in their midst. Thank you, Lord, for that which you will do this morning in their midst. Thank you for the lives that will be transformed. Thank you, Father, for the testimonies that we will receive of your intervention. Thank you, Lord, for you will grant them journey mercies as they return back. We exalt and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's be seated, please.